Welcome to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, an integrative health podcast by Center for New Medicine. We created the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast as an extension of our mission to educate and empower individuals along their health journey. This integrative health podcast will bring you in-depth expert interviews on a plethora of health topics. Tune in bi-weekly for interviews on how to create a non-toxic lifestyle, integrative approaches to treating complex health concerns like diabetes, Lyme's, Hashimoto's, Crohn's, adrenal fatigue, mental, emotional, and spiritual health, cancer prevention, early cancer detection, integrative cancer treatments, and so much more. Through the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast, we hope to provide cutting-edge, science-based information you can use to create a happier and healthier life for you and your loved ones. Well, Dr. Bales, welcome back to the Be Perfectly Healthy podcast. Thank you. Always good to be back. And today we're talking all about chronic infections. Now, this is maybe a little bit broader than we usually go because there's so many types, but let's actually start there. What are the types of pathogens that can be causing chronic infections in the body? Well, I narrow it down to three different, uh, three kinds, pathogens being parasites, bacteria, and viruses. And uh, okay. they can take root virtually anywhere in the body, <laughs> any and all of them. They've been a bane uh, to humanity from, from day one. And it's interesting, just as, as I uh, study more of this, how the ancient cultures had all of their uh, herbal remedies and everything specific to, to the pathogens that they encountered where they lived <laughs> in their locale. Um, so uh, we know it's, it's nothing new. Um, are they getting worse because of people's lifestyle? And we'll talk about that probably. Are they getting worse yeah. because of the 5G in that? So for anyone who's going, okay, chronic infections, what's the big deal? I don't have any of that. Let's start with, first of all, why are these a concern? And then I want to get into why actually so many people may have chronic infections and don't realize it. Right, right. So um, any kind of infection, even acute, which people are usually more aware of, uh, you know, like a wound gets infected or something, uh, but specifically chronic, they weaken our immune system. And they wear, wear and tear it down, and they and they it, it, it hinders its ability to fight other um, you know exogenous enemies that come our way every day. You, um, I think everybody can agree we're exposed to a, a plethora of bacteria, viruses via, via air, via the food we eat, the water we drink, all the time, and we need strong immune systems <laughs> uh, to go around. And the and these uh, bugs, these pathogens, uh, I say sit on, but they suppress the immune system. And then a weakened immune system can't fight other, other things. So with something like Lyme or Epstein-Barr or cancer or a whole, a whole host of neurological diseases like MS, Parkinson's, dementia, if that's kind of lingering around, it, uh, it opens the door, uh, the weakened immune system opens the door for those to kind of take root. So, mm -hmm. and as you mentioned, a lot of people may not know or, um, or feel that they have a chronic infection, but, but a lot of them do. And I think what's the distinguishing factor here is, right, all of us understand maybe food poisoning. Obviously, there was some kind of infection, you had a really severe reaction, and then those symptoms sort of fade away. But can you talk a little bit about what might be some of those more subtle symptoms of a chronic infection that make it difficult to really identify? Well, so some of the symptoms, well, to back up a little bit, like you mentioned, I think that's a great example 
with the food poisoning. And the classic uh, example is someone, uh, you have 10 people that uh, get exposed to E. coli uh, ver, uh, with uncooked meat or, or exposure with, um, with raw foods, which I'll get into later, at, at a restaurant, let's say. Five of them may feel nothing. Three of them may be ill for a day or two, and then two of them will end up in the ER. So it just shows that the people that had um, that didn't have anything going on, maybe, maybe they did. Maybe a little something took root. And that's what we're seeing is that people get exposed. So the, the, the acute, when you're violently ill, you know you've got something, but you can still acquire these, uh, these low-grade chronic infections from, it, from exposure to, to other things. But in answer to your question, what, what are some of the symptoms? You know, it can run the gamut um, from what I've seen, like chronic fatigue, um, would be uh, would be one of them. Uh, insomnia seems to be tied more to the parasites. Um, mild headache, mild aches, nothing major enough for someone to say, you know, I think I'm sick, but someone to have something lo like low grade like that, um, not feeling good around the full moon. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but that that seems to be there. There are subtle symptoms. Um, and what, what we're seeing, or I've seen in the past couple of years of treating them, is that <clears throat> people are very good at masking their symptoms. Um, and mm. so the mask, so for example, for the chronic fatigue, well, that's masked by caffeine intake, right? I mean, yeah. if people drink enough, drink enough uh, caffeine, then- um, <clears throat> Cheers to both of us. <laughs> <laughs> One cup is okay. <laughs> but, you know, and then insomnia, uh, I don't know how many people, I don't want to know how many people are out there on sleep aids. Uh, be they pharmaceutical grade or even herbal that they're that they're using all the time, or having a bottle of wine for dinner or something, <laughs> you know, yeah. well that masks the insomnia. So I think a lot of people are running around with these, saying I don't have them, but they do. But they're masking the symptoms um, with uh, with these other uh, by, by self medicating. We'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. And those symptoms are so broad. It, it's frustrating because, you know. Poor sleep could also be a result of blue light exposure. It could be a result of overwork. So, you know, these symptoms cross over with a lot of other things too, which make it really tricky. I think also just in today's world, feeling tired is normal. Not sleeping well is normal. Having headaches every day is normal. And so people just shrug it off too. Even if they recognize it, they might go, well, yeah, this is just normal. Everyone I know has headaches every day or, or, or something along those lines. Or have to drink a pot of coffee. Be, and then they say, well, it's because I had to work late, uh, you know, work, work late uh, or I came home or had to get up early or, you know, like you said, it's not always pathogens, but it probably is some combination of pathogens and the other stressors in someone's mm -hmm. daily life. Let's get into testing now. And I think it would be really interesting if you could touch briefly on conventional medicine and if this is even something that's on their radar <laughs> and if it is, what might be a testing they recommend and then what testing you would recommend from a more functional integrative approach. Okay. So in answer to your first question or inquiry, I don't think it really is in the allopathic world. Uh, I don't think it really is on the radar. I think it's it's one of those things like the lymph system or nutrition that most medical doctors get a whopping half an hour of, of education or, or maybe a day. I mean, out of their you know their first four uh, four didactic years, um, so it's mm -hmm. not it's not there. I don't know how it got not or dropped or if it ever even was in the curriculum because as I mentioned, the ancient cultures, all the all the medicine men and shaman. I mean, they certainly. We're dealing with a lot of these, a lot of these uh, pathogens. They might not be able to see them, uh, but they they knew how to deal with them, uh, you know, thousands of years ago. So somehow it didn't make it into the curriculum, and it certainly should be. 
Um, there is some testing uh, in allopathic medicine, um, <clears throat> just simple blood work uh, for bacteria and yeast, uh, but excuse me, it doesn't always show if there's a smaller chronic infection. The, I noticed mm -hmm. that the allopathic testing <coughs> excuse me, seems to work well when there's a major problem, when there is something grossly yeah. wrong and it's very good at signaling and, and <clears throat> not necessarily putting it down. It does work in those situations. But when you have the kind of smaller chronic infections or smaller anything else, it doesn't seem to always catch it. Uh, for viruses, there is ser serology testing, uh, that and that looks at detect detect uh, detecting antibodies. Um, but the problem is, remember, you, a patient will only have antibodies if they've already went and fought, fought off the uh, the infection. So it's kind of looking at, mm -hmm. oh, you, you did have that. <laughs> it passed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that really, and now you don't. Yeah, and, and now you don't, and you have immune. Good for you, but you're, we're kind of past it. And if you're still having symptoms, then something else is causing those symptoms. Um, obviously, because mm -hmm. you, you're past that particular virus, so that doesn't work so well. More common, my patients come in uh, and they've had an endoscopy. They go down and, and even take a sample now, uh, and they can sample for like H. pylori uh, or uh, that's Helicobacter pylori or, or C. pylori, Campylobacter pylori. And they can do that. The problem is uh, where are the samples taken? Maybe they go to part the part of the stomach or the esophagus where there isn't <laughs> there isn't any, and, and then they're going to miss it. Um, so it has yeah. to get the the right. Otherwise, they can um, they can do a false negative, uh, or it'll it'll render a false negative. Um, mm -hmm. And I didn't know this before, but the other uh, go up the other end is a colonoscopy. And you think, okay, that's great. Um, and for my patients that I'm pretty sure have, you know, sizable worms and other parasites, you think, oh, okay, you'll see them on the camera, you know. Well, I didn't know this, but the colonoscopy does not go up into the small intestine. So a little anatomical review. It's the esophagus from the top to bottom, esophagus, uh, stomach, small intestine, large in intestine, uh, rectum, anus. Okay, so it goes up, anus, rectum, large intestine, doesn't get into the small intestine. And the reason they don't is uh, I was told there's a, higher, uh, um, there's a higher risk uh, of puncture, which can lead to sepsis, which can lead to death. Um, so they mm -hmm. don't go up there. And so those aren't always the best. And then finally, the stool samples, I used to be a great believer in them. And I can't tell you how many times people have come in and they had a negative stool sample test. And I picked something up with the energetic testing that I do. And they either did some of my therapies or took a pharmaceutical, it doesn't matter. And then they went home and, and they passed a parasite. So that mm -hmm. stool sample, and the, and the reason I think the stool samples don't work is I, I think that the the specimen, uh, the part of the stool um, that has whatever excrement from the parasite that's in there, I think it decays by the time that it gets to the machine. So even if you overnight mm -hmm. it like a blood worker, that could be overnighted, stool samples can be too, but it's not there. So that's the worst thing for some of my patients because the doctors are calling them crazy. They're saying you don't have yeah. <clears throat> these tests are negative, right? The standard thing. And then they go to psychologists. So that's some of the Western testing that can be done. As you can tell, I'm not real emphatic. I don't think it doesn't hurt. Uh, there's not a lot of risk with it, but it can be done. But I think there, there's more. Yeah. And the other thing there too is it can be so timely and in many of these cases, very invasive. So the energetic testing is actually very efficient and completely non-invasive, non-toxic. So let's get into that. Okay. So there's a lot of energetic testing devices out there. Um, they all function on the same basic premise, um, at least the, the, the GSR devices or galvanic skin resistance. And that is uh, that the, the machine is putting out a frequency, just any, any given frequency, and then it's, it's detecting skin resistance 
That's why it's called galvanic skin resistance. Um, the uh, uh, <clears throat> skin conductivity, rather, um, uh, given that frequency. Um, we have three uh, nervous systems, motor, which is how we move, um, and <clears throat> sensory, which is how we feel, and then sympathetic. And of the three, the sympathetic, or it's also called autonomic, is kind of the least known, but it governs the whole immune system. And there was a gentleman named Bohl back in the 1920s Germany that found that when the body was given a frequency <clears throat> that was associated with a bug that the patient's immune system was fighting, so not necessarily a bug that they have, but the immune system was actually fighting, that the skin resist resistance would change immediately. So what these machines are doing <clears throat> is they're plotting when there's a skin resistance change at a frequency, it's noting that frequency. And then in the case of uh, my device, it's called F-Scan. Uh, F is in Frank, it's short for frequency scan. It's newer technology from Switzerland. And it is noting, uh, what makes it different than the other GSRs, it's noting the frequency and it has, actually has a whole database uh, where it's going in and saying, okay, that frequency, what bugs uh, 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 or bug could be associated with what's going on. So mm -hmm. the only caveat is, as I mentioned, it, it, you have to remember it, it's what the uh, patient's immune system is fighting at the time. So whether, um, <clears throat> they do treatments with my firefly, whether they do herbal treatments, whether they do pharmaceutical, it's all about peeling that proverbial onion. So we're, we're tackling what the, the view that the immune system is fighting now. And then in my case, we would do a couple treatments uh, and we can always reevaluate uh, with it. <clears throat> I mentioned the F-scan takes about a minute and a half. And as you mentioned, it's completely safe. Uh, it, never had any problem with it, any patient population. Um, but sometimes it may need to be repeated if someone has chronically ill, because mo most likely they don't just have one pathogen. <laughs> most likely they got mm -hmm. a pathogen. It's, it's a slippery slope because then their immune system was suppressed. So they were more likely to get another pathogen and it's led down this, the, the, this whole rabbit hole. Uh, yeah. I think especially with parasites and I just attended a whole week long conference just on parasites mm -hmm. is they can hold their weight in pathogens. So parasites can hold viruses, can hold bacteria, can hold fungi, can hold heavy metals. And so they often can be a root cause for why we keep getting these things because they're they're sort of just like absorbing them in. But I also really like what you pointed out about how what's coming up on the scan is what basically like the biggest things the immune system is fighting right now. So you might do that scan, do a couple firefly treatments, come back a month later and those initial things might have cleared, but now you have some new ones coming up. So A, maybe you got a new infection along the way, or B, because you got rid of some of those bigger infections, now your body's able to dive deeper and start addressing some other things. So I think that's a really great point you make that, especially I think when people just start working on this, if they've never done it before, probably expect to have a few months of work to really start to clear these things out. Absolutely. And uh, my, my treatment is called Firefly. Um, and it works well in conjunction um, with the <clears throat> my favorite um, supplements and herbs for ablating, but also works well if someone does want to do the pharmaceutical route. So it's very, that, but I wanted to tell a little bit more about the full moon. So it, I, yeah, I thought please. this was crazy. <laughs> and I, I come from an engineering background, very analytical. And I think that's helped me with my medicine career, but I, I, I definitely have the skeptic. So somebody told me years ago, oh, the parasites replicate on the full moon. I think you're crazy. <laughs> well, now that I have the F-scan, uh, definitely the, the parasites are more active, I can say, on, on the full moon. And I, I thought about it and I thought, you know, <clears throat> I love to fish. 
Well, fishing is greatly, at least ocean fishing, is greatly influenced by the moon because it, it, it pulls all the water for the tides. So imagine mm. the force. Water's heavy. Imagine the force to move all that water up five or six feet on, on, onto a shore. I mean, that's a huge pull. And we don't think that has something to do with us. Um, before when we're like 65, 75% water. water. So it's, moving, <laughs> it's moving our water too. That's right. You know, before all of the birth control pills and all that, women regularly menstruated on the full moon. Full moon cycles about right about 28 days. And that's right, right for that. So that lined up. And then in high school, I volunteered in the, in the ER. And first kind of the, the orientation, they said, just watch. Um, it'll be, it'll be fuller around the full moon. And I thought, oh, you guys are, you guys have been working here too long. You're crazy, you know? And I thought, okay, the, the police will always tell you there's more burglaries and that activity around the full moon. Okay, it's because the moon's out, people can see to do more, you know, to steal stuff or vandalize. Okay, so I get that part. Well, I grew up in the Bay Area and the winters up there weren't, were uh, oftentimes quite rainy and gloomy. So thick cloud cover equals full moon, full moon, but no light. Well, sure enough, that mm-hmm. ER was just as full as when, as when wow. right. So the ancients, they call them lunatics. Well, Luna is, is Spanish or actually Latin for moon. Luna, yeah, lunatics. Right? <laughs> they come out. So it does wow. something to at least some of us that makes some people go, well, maybe because they have parasites. They've documented now yeah. that parasites cause crazy behavior. I <clears throat> sold actually one of my fireflies to a clinic back in uh, outside of Boston, which is like Lyme Central. And one of the kids, uh, they were treated 17 years old. I just found this out this morning, uh, was violent. Uh, and, and it turned out he had, he did an F scan with the uh, practitioner and had a series of firefly treatments. Now he's got his driver's license back, got rid of the parasites. All the violent act, uh, behavior went away, was able to drop the pharmaceuticals, which weren't working that well anyway for his violent, all they were is sedating him. So I'm sold now. I didn't believe it before, but as I see it, I'm sold that, um, that the parasites can cause all, all kinds of behavior disorders as well. Well, and what I've understand about just the science behind it is that the parasites have serotonin receptors along their body. And the ser- during the full moon, we produce much larger amounts of serotonin. So those parasites grab onto the serotonin. It helps them become more mobile, reproduce, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I love telling people, what are you feeling around the full moon? Do you have these like weird symptoms popping up or are your current symptoms getting way worse? If so, 99% chance you've got some parasites going on. Uh, ab- absolutely. Um, and as, as I go down this um, uh, with my learning with my patients or from my patients, uh, that, that's exactly what I'm seeing. A lot of people, they, they haven't correlated the full moon and they have to think back and I pull up the old calendar <laughs> and say, okay, the full moon was then. And sometimes we have to wait a little bit for the next full moon to see if the symptoms you know, um, uh, pop up or, or, you know, exacerbate. But a lot of times, like you said, it's, it, it's very well tied. Yeah. I want to touch a little bit more on the firefly treatment and other treatments, but can we also first go back to conventional medicine again? Let's just say by chance you found a doctor who is like, okay, yeah, maybe you've got some kind of infection and then let's treat it. What does a conventional treatment of these infections entail? Um, usually pharmaceuticals. Um, the, one of the more popular ones is called albendazole and there's the, there's the, uh, bendazole or endazole, uh, family uh, of, of drugs. I think that they, they work. I've seen them work. The problem is like a lot of the other pharmaceuticals is they're very hard on the internal organs, uh, ma- namely the liver, because the liver, when you have a die off, uh, of any, um, anything in the body, the liver is what really takes it to, to detox. And the problem is, and this, actually, I knew this before about with cancer. 
even the diaphycancer cells, the excrement of those cells and the excrement of parasites and, uh, and that is different than the regular toxins that are in our system. And our liver doesn't necessarily know how to deal with them. So uh, I have had patients that just wanted to take the, the albendazole. That's fine. I'll, uh, I'll support them, whatever they do. But I highly recommend if they have not had a recent uh, liver panel uh, to get that test to make sure that the, their liver would be able to handle it. And increasingly, okay. and I thought this was interesting, I think the allopathic medicine are getting uh, more on board with the full moon because a patient brought in their prescription. And of course, you know, it has the instructions on when to take it. It said, take it five days around the full moon on the printed prescription <laughs> on the bottom. Oh, wow. I thought, okay, that's all right. That's actually some progress. That'll help. Um, because if you're going to take the toxin, you don't, yeah, that's good. Probably not to take them all month when, you know, three of the weeks, they're not going to do that much good. Why might as well just take it when you know you're going to be in that time frame. So that's mm-hmm. basically the, uh, the allopathic answer is pharmaceuticals. Yeah. I think two things. One thing I think we didn't mention is they're more active during the full moon parasites specifically when it's not the full moon, they kind of, this is so gross, burrow back into our tissues And so that's why some of these treatments may not work as well because they're deeper burrowed in the tissues. So I just wanted to point that out. But the other thing here with the allopathic treatment and the pharmaceuticals is, okay, yes, maybe we're clearing these infections and that can bring with it a huge relief of symptoms. It's lightening the load on the body, inflammation, et cetera. But if we're not ever looking at, well, why did I get this infection in the first place? what was it about my internal environment that allowed these to thrive? They may just come right back. They can with all the therapies. And this includes mine with the firefly is, are we getting the eggs? So it's killing Mm -hmm. the adults. And the other thing to mention, you're absolutely right about them burrowing in that not only hinders the treatment, but it can also hinder detection. So maybe if someone went into the full moon, one of the endoscopy or colonoscopy would actually be able to see something, but I mean, that that's not known. And patients aren't going to know that. So if you are going to get one of those tests, maybe try to schedule it. It won't hurt just around a full a full moon time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> when you really start talking about it, it gets really gross. But <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, let, oh, um, I think, um, would you like to talk more about the the um, the internal environment and how that can play? Sure. Yeah. Seems yeah. Like a good place to go. Yeah. And then we can get into the treatments because I do definitely want to touch more on what we can do to start clearing them. But I think just like with everything we do, we're always talking about root cause. And I think terrain is a huge factor here, inner terrain. Right, inner terrain. So I always tell my patients to start with the diet. Um, and <clears throat> we in other disease processes, we talk about lifestyle. Um, I mean, it's good to be healthy and exercise. I don't think that has a huge bearing. I think it helps the immune system, but I think diet is the number one way that we can track a lot of these parasites. So the first thing I put them on, some of my patients don't like me after they come in, uh, is no sashimi, no raw fish, because I have just noticed a huge correlation in uh, sashimi eaters and the the prevalence of them having uh, parasites that come up on my F-scan or just have parasites that even come up in a stool sample. So take them off the raw fish. I know it's been cryogenically frozen. I found it it is a federal law that the fish has to be cryogenically frozen. I think these uh, these, uh, uh, parasites specifically, probably other bacteria, viruses, other pathogens in there can just go dormant. They've proven a lot of that stuff can actually just, they're they're tough, can just go dormant. But cooking kills them. So I'm not against fish. I'm just against the raw fish. Um, Okay. uh, There's another culture, I didn't realize this uh, growing up with an Italian family, but uh, raw beef, beef carpaccio. 
yeah. was part of it. And I didn't even, I thought, oh, no, no other culture, but the Japanese, they eat raw steak. Like, no, they do. Uh, and then the other big one, and, and my patients, some of them really don't like me, uh, they, a lot of them live on salads. Well, uh, the mm-hmm. salads at restaurants, a lot of times the restaurants do not wash the greens very well, if, or at all. Um, and they're coming straight out of the, um, straight out of the ground. Um, and I mean, they're growing in dirt uh, that obviously has E. coli in that in it naturally, because that's what you would use for even a natural fertilizer. The prepackaged salads, I don't care if they say triple washed, maybe they didn't triple wash them very well all three times. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, it, you, you just don't know. <clears throat> so I'm not against salads per se. I think if people want to make a salad at home, it's fine. Um, I personally use half a cup, uh, anything I'm going to eat raw, I soak with half a cup of uh, white vinegar in a bowl of water. I actually just use my salad spinner bowl and put it that, that way. Mm-hmm. So start with the diet um, and look at that. That will help uh, uh, to, elim- uh, to eliminate. As we age, um, our stomach acid quantity and quality goes down. And I think a lot of the parasites, I think, you know, given that, sorry to be gross, but given that we eat parasites, just know that we eat pathogens. This is going to happen. Our stomach mm-hmm. acid is the first line of defense. And if we don't have enough or, or the uh, quality, the strength of its hydrochloric acid um, down there to, to process it, they're going to make it into the small intestine. And that's where it seems that they really like to party. Um, so if they can mm-hmm. get past that. So if someone knows they don't have good stomach acid or, or that um, there are supplements that can be taken, um, certainly get off of the, uh, the purple pill, that Prilosec, the, the antacids. Are they just that? Yeah. The uh, the blockers, you know, they they, they do that just that. So somebody has heartburn, and, and heartburn's usually uh, uh, can be a, a sphincter, a pyloric sphincter, the, the valve at the top of the stomach problem. Uh, usually, ha- someone has to do with weight if someone's overweight, and they the um, allopathic medicine will put them on the antacids, which again will help with the symptoms. Well, they're leaving themselves open to a whole host of parasites because now they don't have the acid, and they're not not going to get the nutrients out of, out of their food. Because it's going to break, mm-hmm. it really needs to be before it gets a small intestine. It's really going to be broken down in the stomach. Um, so work to get my patients off of that. Again, like you mentioned, this isn't overnight. This is a process, especially if they've been on for a while. So I don't just yank people off things just slowly. Um, and so yeah, so the food and that. Um, and I've even uh, in place of the salads, just tell my patients go out, have fun, but just at a restaurant have something cooked, have the soup. Or just yeah. you know, for, or have one a, a cooked appetite. Whenever else is having salad, so you're not that person that's not eating. And then people are saying, "Why aren't you having a salad?" Be the person who just has something else, so it, it doesn't mm-hmm. limit you from going out um, too much. Um, I was thinking one day, you know, the two oldest civilizations on Earth, India and China, been around what uh, four thousand years, a long time. You know, they don't eat anything raw. I did three one month trips for my acupuncture to China, and they don't eat anything raw except fruit. There isn't salads yeah. and all, all that's a Western thing. So, so they've been around that that long and they've survived pretty well. They have huge populations. So, do you think they're doing something right? <laughs> maybe it's better just <laughs> yeah. to just to uh, steam or walk or whatever, just lightly. You don't want to call the nutrients. And I think to your point with the stomach acid too. So many other things. It, it's sort of this double-edged sword where it, having poor stomach acid, having poor gut health can open us up to infections. And then once we have the infections, they can make the gut health even worse. And then we get in this downward spiral, but especially with eating all the processed foods, all those nasty additives, like the corn syrup, the gums, et cetera, et cetera, are also disrupting your, your stomach acid, your gut health, everything. So 
yeah, it's not a great. You've got parasites come in. We'll do a treatment. See you have a good day. We'd love it to be that way. But I mean, there's almost nothing, especially when it's chronic, there's almost nothing that you can turn around with just one treatment. Absolutely. You have to correct the internal biome. And whether that uh, the other options on that, if someone doesn't have enough digestive enzymes, that's another route. If someone doesn't have one question that comes up that I like to address, um, patients will ask me, uh, you know, oh, I'm already taking probiotics or I'm already taking prebiotics and or digestive enzymes. Doesn't that get rid of the bad guys? No. Putting more good guys down there is, is not a bad thing. But and it does change the ratio, and that, that's good. But it doesn't necessarily get rid of the of the bad guys. They don't go to war and fight. Yeah. So it's okay that you're on those. It doesn't affect my treatment. That's that's fine if you want to uh, take a high quality. Or if you're going to take one, please, because um, there's a lot of low, mm -hmm. low quality stuff out there. Um, but uh, but but yeah, you can't just just be popping those and expect it to get rid of uh, E. coli or any of the other other bad bacteria. Yeah, to your point, I mean, you know, because I come in every full moon to see you. I'm doing like a four month series for parasites for myself. But um, going on my own journey of learning about the parasites, I did start. I've been taking probiotics for a little while, but I did start taking digestive enzymes, and I can tell you, my digestion has been so much smoother. My stools have been so much better. Not that they were horrible before, but I noticed a very real difference when I started taking the digestive enzymes. And I think it's just the the parasites have disrupted that internal biome. And um, yeah, they've been a huge, huge help for me. So, you know, the plan is sort of let's do all this for about four months in conjunction and keep tracking the progress, but just supporting your body in as many different ways as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um so I can talk a little bit about the Firefly um, now, if you'd like. So my, uh, my treatment, um, the Firefly was developed mainly by my my father, um, and uh, he's been developing light therapy devices for 22 years. Firefly is our latest, and before we were just working with pain. Um, now we're actually putting frequencies. So I mentioned the F scan before that gives us the frequencies that we need uh, to then do the treatment. Um, well, <clears throat> going back, scientists in the late 30s were starting to use frequencies. Uh, this is right before, uh, you know, penicillin that was the start of the whole pharmaceutical thing, in the, which, which was a wonderful mm -hmm. drug, got rid of, say, probably a lot of people. Germ theory yeah, versus exactly. It, you know, help, but it led it led us astray in that the medical devices were big in the 30s, and then it went to the pharmaceuticals, kind of World War II era. So anyway, going back, they found that using frequencies through light uh, that they could actually kill and, and watch with high power microscopes uh, fry the bugs, and the process mm -hmm. is called resonance. Resonance, going back to high school physics, is the lady singing, breaking the glass. So the glass is sitting up there and the lady's voice uh, is, put, she's putting out the uh, the frequencies through her voice to shake the glass so that it, it breaks. And it can be uh, something much bigger than a glass. Uh, those that live in Washington state long enough, remember the Tacoma Narrows Bridge in the 50s, they build it as a suspension bridge, which is supposed to be able to withstand anything, including earthquakes, which are prone here on the West Coast. And it wasn't an earthquake. The winds came up through the Tacoma Narrow Valley and were, came up just to the right resonance that it shook the bridge and it actually fell down. The bridge mm. that, they, that they thought, oh, would never come down, you know. So it, it's big as bridges, it's glasses, and let's go really microscopic. You can do it with all the bugs. <laughs> and they, yeah. they proved it back in the late 30s. And unfortunately, it's been shoved under the rug. Well, we're back with the Firefly. We take the frequency that's given out. Uh, remember that frequency is associated with uh, not just any bug, but a bug that the patient's, uh, patient's immune system is fighting at the time. 
And then to recreate what Rife was doing, uh, it's not just one frequency that destroys the bug. Uh, my father's electronics actually create thousands of what are called sidebands, uh, they're called quarter and half wave sidebands. And that's how um, you, we're really killing uh, the, uh, these parasites, uh, bacteria and viruses, pathogens. So mm -hmm. we're shaking them, we get rid of them um, that way. And I have quite a few uh, YouTube success stories <laughs> for, for Oh, yeah. We'll make sure they're yeah, all okay, good. Oh, yeah. I, I won't go too graphic. I actually just shot another one yesterday, uh, a senior citizen. A woman. Oh, tell us. Okay. Tell us a so, story. So um, she came in. She's, I think, about two years been having hives. Really bad. Okay. So well, what would conventional do for hives? Oh, well. Some kind of topical cream. Corticosteroid, or... you know, take that. So symptom control as to actually root cause what's the problem. So I did an F-scan on her. And uh, she came in three times. And what I usually do three firefly treatments based on, I don't F scan every time. So uh, that, and the hives completely went away. Um, she had a little bout, she came in yesterday because she had a little, little bout of them uh, again. So we're not completely fixed, but for the first time mm -hmm. in two years, they went away for a couple weeks and she just feels like wow. she has her life back because the hives would get so bad, uh, you know, that she, she'd be sitting in church. She'd have to leave church because it, it, wow. just the itching and, you know, just the um, overload. Um, you know, so that was, so that just shows you that those hives were probably correlated with it, but they were, they were some kind of pathogen, uh, that was in her gut because why she didn't do anything yeah. else different. She didn't take any pharmaceutical, any other supplement, anything different, just did that. So we'll, uh, we'll get those, uh, that'll probably be up later this week, uh, but it okay. just shows uh, so that uh, you, at the start of our talk, we talked about symptoms, all the skin issues are most of them, yeah. I think are at least correlated with something going on, going on in the gut, unless it's something topical, like as a kid, I was a, to poison oak, you know, to, atopical dermatitis, something that's contact or a new laundry detergent yeah. that that's probably not, but everything else probably. Some, yeah. Some and I've also been learning more about food allergies too, and specifically dairy and gluten actually have been linked to certain parasitic infections. So it's just, it's absolutely wild the amount of havoc these little guys can wreck within our body. And they hide. <laughs> and they're, yeah. they're so the, what, what I tell my patients is, how do you get rid of a bad roommate? Okay. The, the <laughs> you smoke them out. For... College, you know, bad roommate, I'm sure. Well, I hope it wasn't you. <laughs> well, you if you don't, you were a bad roommate. But um, you, <laughs> you, get, you get rid of a bad roommate by, okay, by smoking out. That's good. You create an environment that they can't stand. Okay. And as far as, uh, you know, they feed on metals. So anemia is another symptom uh, of, uh, of it. And then, you know, in allopathic medicine, they say anemia will just give you iron. Well, what are you doing? You're fueling those, those parasites because you're giving, you're giving them fuel. Well, the other thing, just like cancer, the parasites, and I think they cause cravings. We were talking about how they can, can with emotional, they, with the serotonin that uh, they, they eat sugar. They love processed stuff. Yeah. And so if mm -hmm. you can starve them by doing a low carb diet, I'm not necessarily going all ketogenic, but just at least lower carb, or at least lower processed carb diet, you can help to, to starve them out. So another treatment that is available, most people don't want to do it, is like a 21 day cleanse or a fast. And I have noticed, uh, not to my, out of my uh, recommendation, ju just, just uh, observance, that a patient come in, they did an F scan, and then they did like a 21 day cleanse, and they came back in, their F scan was way, way cleaner. So that does work, yeah. but, that, but that's a pretty, a pretty hardcore 21 day, day cleanse. But again, we're, you're getting to the root cause, right? There is, there was a reason when our body is functioning, we have a strong internal terrain. These parasites won't be able to thrive. 
and reproduce and reproduce and reproduce. So there was something initially off that allowed them to thrive. Or maybe we had like a huge dose of them for some reason, but usually it's an internal terrain issue. And so can you touch a little bit on, because I think this is really important, why, especially with parasites, it needs to be a three to four month thing, especially with the life cycles. Absolutely. You hit it. Uh, that, that's it, especially with the parasites. Um, just to know the other pathogens, the viruses and bacterias, they don't have the life cycle with the full moon. They just kind of go all the time. And incidentally, they are way easier uh, to ablate uh, with my firefly treatment and probably with other, probably follows suit with other herbal uh, treatments as well. Then the, the, the pathogens are the, uh, sorry, the parasites are, are, are the main deal. You're absolutely right. They have that life cycle. They've got it timed so that they lay, lay their eggs and, and, and reproduce and all that on the full moon and are active. And then they go back in and hide. The viruses and bacteria don't, don't usually hide. There is, there are a few, the spirochete that is uh, the, the Lyme disease, it does, but most, most of them are, aren't, they haven't figured it out yet. Um, so it, like you said, it's not just a one hit wonder. I can't even just give, usually just give three firefly treatments. We usually give three and reevaluate. Um, also, most of the pe patients, by the time they come to see me, have had these for a long time. They've at least had symptoms for a long time. If they go back and really think how, how they've started to now drink three, four cups of coffee, you know, again, masking the chronic fatigue, they started having more. They used to just get a headache maybe once a week. Now it's every other day. It's kind of this, this slow downward spiral. So if they've had it for 20 years, yeah, we're not going to fix it in, in, in three Firefly or one round of albendazole or one round of uh, the full moon kit. Um, it's going to take a while. It's probably going to take a, a three or four month, month process based on how long. The exceptions to that, and my patients ask, okay, when should I come back after that? I say six months, just like a dental cleaning. We can just F-scan. We charge $75 for the F-scan, so it's not expensive. And as I said, it, it, it's a couple minutes. And there's no fasting required. I'll mention that too. There's no real prep. I can just, just see a patient add-on right away and just get checked. Um, as I said, the exception is if someone goes and gets food poisoning, then we probably know what, what caused it. But even Yeah, and then come in right, come away. In right away. So well, as soon as, yeah, as soon as you can comfortably leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> please, uh, please uh, come in and we'll figure it out. Because I, I have a thing, a lot of these, as I mentioned, we're getting from food. I think in other countries, you can get a lot from water. I think if anything, our water is probably over-treated here. So I don't point it with all the fluoride and chlorines. I don't point too much on the water in, in this country, but the food, and they could have eaten something 20 years ago that took root, uh, that was just a, a, a minor thing. And then through the years, they, it's become more and more of them, or they become larger or something. And then now it's really playing into their um, deficit in their lifestyle. Hmm. This is a really random question that just came up. But do you think that pesticide use has made these guys stronger? Uh, yes, uh, just like, uh, you know, re resistance, I guess, is what, you're, what you would think in, in, the, in the realm. That's usually talked about more in a bacterial realm. But I think, yes, the, the, the parasites, I mean, they mutate. Um, they mutate to be able to survive. They're trying to survive too. And so they, mm -hmm. um, they, they can definitely uh, rise to a changing environment, uh, which is what's used on our, on our food. Um, also, and this is an aside, and I, and I am all for eating organic, but the horror story that I hear is a patient comes in, they eat a lot of pre-washed salads or a lot of salads. That, well, one lady the other week even commented, I live on you know, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the salad kits. But I always make sure to buy organic. Oh, yeah. And I, as much as I love organic, the problem is people think, oh, it's organic. I don't need to wash them. Well, yeah. the organic is probably going to have some more parasites in that on it because it wasn't sprayed with the, with the 
podcasting. Yeah, exactly. So it's even more, so it's even more um, necessary to, to wash it. So as I mentioned, even if it says triple washed, it doesn't take very long. Just put it in a little vinegar bath. It'll take all of five minutes. And then you can spin it. to. If you want to eat right away, you can spin it down with a spinner, salad spinner. But mm -hmm. um, I, I thought that kind of ironic that it actually, those, that's the population is probably more at risk, the ones that are eat the organic and then don't wash it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. So I want to kind of give a review of the tips that you've given. So we've got the F-Scan and the Firefly as a really efficient, non-invasive treatment we can do. But then you also said something we can do in tandem with that is eating maybe a low-carb diet or um, ketogenic type diet or doing a detox cleanse for that 21 days, washing really well all of our raw foods and then not eating raw foods when we're going out to eat correct yeah washing and and, and that um keep the internal environment clean um it, it, and then uh, also if if there are questions on stomach acid especially for a senior citizen uh thinking that if they do eat raw foods uh to maybe take a, a, a we have hcl at, at our product store to take a, a hydro Acid. I, I think that's a little bit of a band-aid, but I think it can be used sometime. I wouldn't want someone doing that before every meal, um, obviously, because yeah. it's, not, it's not the root problem. But, but they could, if they knew they were going to be eating greens or something out, they, could, uh, they can definitely take one of those. Um, and also, just myself, shifting to a little bit more of a cooked vegetable realm instead of the salads, like civilizations mm -hmm. of India and China uh, have, have done for thousands of years. And I think mm -hmm. at least from my childhood, everybody has the vision of, a, a, you know, a nice green bean and then a cooked green bean that's all limp. And and the raw food, food <laughs> purists will point out, and they're right, that thing doesn't have any nutrients or enzymes left because it's been, been cooked. I'm just talking about a quick 30 second to a minute steaming in a double pot. Um, also, um, I'm a bachelor. I get home. It takes a lot longer to make a salad than to steam some vegetables up. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot faster anyway. And, and the patients that I know that have adopted more of the cooked vegetable have kind of stayed with it because it's just, it's less prep work. And um, a salad, especially if it's if it dressed, is really not good the next day. Whereas the steamed vegetables still mm -hmm. make a great leftover. So I would yeah. move just more towards that, towards cooking. So, yeah. yeah. So many good points. And by the way, I wanted to mention, we actually have an entire podcast interview on just the F-Scan and the Firefly alone with you. So I'll make sure that's linked in the show notes too. And of course, all of the, we have some YouTube videos on the treatment. We have some YouTube testimonials. So there's going to be a lot of great resources in the show notes for anyone who wants to learn a lot more, but any concluding thoughts, Dr. Bales? If you're going to going to go for it, if you feel you have any, any of the symptoms, which we haven't covered <laughs> probably half of them, but the chronic fatigue, the skin issues, uh, obvious digestive disorders, any of that, um, it may behoove you to come see me for an F-scan or, or not just me, somebody that has an F-scan or uh, at least get evaluated with an energetic device. Um, you can also do the allopathic. I'm not against that, but just know that there's a, there's a high false uh, negative rate on those um, and just mm -hmm. see, see what's going on. But it, but it takes commitment, just like treatment with anything else. Like you mentioned, the three or four months. Um, I think one of the biggest dropouts that I have uh, from people is that they 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 attempt the low carb diet and then they go through a sugar withdrawal 
Oh, yeah. I, I'm told that the sugar withdrawal is just as bad as an alcohol or, or a controlled substance withdrawal, opioid or any of those. And um, it, it, it's too hard. And, and I, I'm there to support my patients. I will never yell at anybody because I didn't do something. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like the cheerleader in the back. <laughs> but just know that there, there may be that component. Not always. Um, some people that have parasites actually already eat a ketogenic diet. They just eat a lot of raw food that has that's prone to that. So stick mm -hmm. with it. And uh, chances are you're going to feel a lot better. I've helped a lot of people. You mentioned you can watch the uh, YouTube. I think there's nine or ten of them now, but I've helped ten times that many. Just have it. some people yeah. don't want to be filmed or <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, non-invasive um, and um, be prepared for what can happen uh, in the bathroom. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, we really need to compile like a what to look for in the toilet bowl <laughs> series. <laughs> Won't be pretty. You need to have a tough stomach. I'll put you on that. Oh, emotionally. Not, not task, <laughs> I think sometimes, you know, I, I'm an electrical and systems engineer and people are texting me pictures of the toilet bowl. How did I get here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I never right. thought I'd be doing this, but no, I'm happy. To, I'm happy to help review for them. I've seen some pretty funky stuff. Well, Dr. Bales, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Look forward to being on a future podcast.